Previously on the Talking Buds podcast. William Nylander. Willie Nylander. William Nylander. 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 Will he or won't he sign? Kyle Dubas flew to Switzerland. It's so confusing. It's such a mess. He'll be this this week he'll be signed. Next week he'll be signed. They'll spend so much time talking about him. Is William even involved? I predicted that you'd be signed by now, but you're not. This is uncharted territory for restricted free agents in the National Hockey League. It's ridiculous. Let's go. Let's go. Let's figure it out. Let's go. Enough is enough. This is getting absurd. I've had enough. It's ridiculous. William Nylander. Willie Nylander. 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 William Nylander. The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Episode 10 is underway. Ryan, I've been ready for this episode since about 5.01 last Saturday, and that was even before an epically entertaining showdown with the Buffalo Sabres that we just got finished watching. First and foremost, Ryan, how are you doing? Wow, 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 wow. The wrist shot on this kid. The franchise. The toe drag wrist shot. You know what? Anything that, whatever I was feeling before that we started this, I'm feeling great now after that ending, buddy. That what a finish to a hockey game! It was it was a weird game. It was a super entertaining game, but it was just it was just two teams trading momentum all game long. Like the Sabers for the first like 12 minutes of the first period dominated. Oh, it wasn't even close. Yes. Oh my goodness. And then. Austin Matthews opened the scoring in the second period with a beauty wraparound goal. The Leaf goals were Matthews, Gardner, Marlowe, and then the Sabres goals were Skinner and then two from Eichel. And then, as you just pointed out, an epic toe-drag wrist shot from 34 to win the game with two seconds left in overtime. What was a very boring overtime up until then. I don't want to be biased because I'm a Leaf fan, but does this guy have the best wrist shot in the NHL? Like, oh, I'm, holy, without question. what is all these goals, dude? Like, just wrist shot, top corner, no goalie in the league has a chance. It is unbelievable the amount of power this guy generates off his stick. Unbelievable, man. So, obviously... We're going to get into the William Nylander stuff later in the episode. We've got a lot to say about that, but before we get into it, we're going to just break down this game a little bit. Ryan, the Buffalo Sabres are legit. They matched up with the Leafs very, very well. They dominated the Leafs for parts of this game. Yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with their blue line, man. Like, Ristolainen and Darlene, those are two guys on your back end that you can be very excited about going forward. I would love to have two guys like that on the Leafs back end. Very impressive. They also have Bogosian, good good veteran. And, dude, they're a skilled team. Kind of a one-line hockey team. That that top line with Skinner, Eichel, Reinhardt, that's kind of where the majority of their offense comes. So they kinda, they're kind of like a Colorado, Dallas, kind of one-line offensive hockey team. But they remind me of the Leafs almost like two years ago or last year where you might – 
feel like they're out of a game, but they have the skilled hockey players to come back and do what they did to the Leafs. Luckily, the Leafs can match the skill and did what they did coming back and winning this hockey game. The the way I would describe the Leafs game tonight was okay. I thought they played okay. They had moments where they looked really good. Other moments where, as I said earlier, they got hemmed in by the Sabres. Um, the fourth line tonight, Ryan, really struggled. Atrocious. Absolutely atrocious, man. They Every time they were out there tonight, they were horrific. And all the Josh Lavo supporters are going to love that. But, dude, that fourth line tonight, I know they kind of lost two face-offs in their own end on those two goals against. So they didn't really against get a chance. Against the top line. Against the Sabres' top line. But, dude, even before those two goals happened, even in the first period, they did absolutely nothing in the offensive zone. They were hemmed in. That line has, like, Tyler Ennis, a nice little skilled hockey player, but so small. The other two guys have hands of stone. They were horrible tonight. I sat there being like, I don't want to see this line on the ice for the rest of the game. And luckily, Babcock listened to that, and he, they weren't out there after that one last goal they gave up against that top line. The rotating center position between Parlin Home and Freddie the Goat was rough as well. Like I said, they got caught with bad matchups. They got caught out there against Eichel and Skinner, and both times it went in the net. Yeah, that that line really struggled tonight. I thought all lines took a turn having really good, sh- apart from that line, but I thought the, the top three lines all took turns having really good shifts and also having really poor shifts where they weren't really moving their feet. And, dude, this game was really frustrating and hard to understand because you want to be positive because the Leafs have such a good record and you feel like they're not out of any game because of their, their skill. But some shifts, dude, they just weren't skating. And I'm just watching the game, yelling at the TV. Like, Austin Matthews made a couple plays tonight. Like, I know he scored two goals, so at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But from shift to shift, he makes the odd play where you're like, oh, come on, Austin. Like, be a little tougher on your stick. Or Patty Marlowe, forecheck a little does he, harder. Does he look like, does Matthews look like he's a little nervous with his shoulder to you? Because that's what he looks like to well, me. Well, to me, he's never been a really physical hockey player. He's, it's not his game. But... I thought sometimes tonight he wasn't really strong on a stick, but when he ended the game with an OT winner and and another goal, the, how, how much can you really complain about the guy's game, you know? Defensively, I thought it was a bit of a carryover from the game in Minnesota the other night. They're really soft in their own zone. Like, before the game, Jeff O'Neill showed um, a clip from the game on Saturday where he described it as the Leafs needing a bit more, needing to be a bit more aggressive. And it's, it's true. Like... Listen, they're never going to be like big bangers in the defensive zone. They're just not built that way. That's not the type of guys they have. There was a couple instances tonight where the Sabres player just gets two or three whacks at Freddie Anderson and Morgan Riley's just standing there waving his stick at him. It's like, get over there and shove the guy away from your goalie. I love Morgan Riley too, dude, but I wish someone was, maybe I should have done it, but I wish someone out there would send me the stat. How many times Morgan Riley missed the net tonight? Like, holy crap dude like dude like this guy offensive player's got a ton of points but when he comes in and he has a clear wrist shot at the net I'd say more than 50% of the time he he either puts it wide or shoots it over the goalie's head like Morgan I love you dude but you need to kind of practice hitting the net dude come on well he's he's famous for that he's done that his entire pro career come flying over the blue line and shoot at 30 feet over the net yeah I love the guy in his own end like the guy can just he he's got enough agility enough speed to get the puck out of his own end using his feet but once he crosses that blue line going into the ozone and he takes that wrist shot uh I mean the odd time it can work out but dude this guy misses the net a lot another thing too with respect to the defense is again the pregame show showed another stat that they've they're averaging giving up 39 shots a night. Tonight they gave up 41. This team, as as much as they're like super talented scoring and have shown that they can score their way out of problems, this team would be nothing without Freddie Anderson. He was phenomenal again tonight. Yes, this is a recording. Freddie Anderson was phenomenal again. It's just like 40 shots. Like it's it's 40 shots a night, Ryan. Like you can't. I don't know, man. Like that's. What are you going to do with that? This hockey, it's a theme with this hockey team. This is the game they play. They need a goaltender to stand on, not stand on his head, but 
have the ability to make that amount of saves a night. And and Frederick Anderson is proving that this year. And that's why when you go on the NHL goaltending statistic leaders, he's pretty much up there in the top five in every category. And he can let in three goals a night. And his save percentage still looks pretty good. Vesna-worthy save percentage because there's so many shots fired on the net. And it's not... They're winning hockey games. We, we get that. They're winning hockey games. They're 20-8. and eight. They're an unbelievable hockey team. They're cup contenders, whatever you want to say about them. But it's not now what we're worried about. It's can they give up this many shots in April and win a round or win multiple rounds, giving up tons of shots and having Freddie working 24-7? Maybe Freddie likes to work that much. Maybe it gets him in the game more. He's, he's more focused. He's more sharp because he's seeing more shots. And... It's all about the quality chances, too. Like, if a team's getting unbelievable quality chances, there's only so many saves Frederick Anderson can make. But maybe it's maybe he likes that, you know? Like, maybe he can get into the game more. But can they sustain that? Winning, They're winning ways in April, giving up that many shots. That is the question we need to be asking. Right now, it's fine because they're winning games. But when you get... And to quote Babs, when you get into the postseason and the other teams are playing hard, like... Can is that sustainable to go on a run in April, May, and June? I don't know if it is. Yeah, I it, typically it wouldn't be like typically on paper. If you asked any pro hockey analyst or anyone who covers the sport or anyone who watches the game religiously, they would say no, that is not a formula for success. But for right now, no matter what you're watching on the ice, goaltending, defense forecheck, backcheck, penalty kill, power play, whatever you want to think, at the end of the day, at this point in time in the regular season, they are the second best, third best hockey team, top three, top five best hockey team in the National Hockey League right now. So right now you can't really complain too much, but let's see in April when we got to go up against the Bruins or the Sabres or whoever we need to go against in that first round. Then we'll really find out. All right, before we, we move on, I think we should talk a little bit about 34. Oh, boy. 15 goals in 14 games. He scored two against San Jose. He scored one against Minnesota. And then he scored two again tonight. I posed the question. It's funny, right? Because kind of out of sight, out of mind. So I posed the question two weeks ago. I said, could an argument be made that Marner is more is a more valuable piece than Austin Matthews. And since he's come back from injury, Austin Matthews has answered my question with an emphatic no. He is he's he's breathtaking to watch Ryan. He's a breathtaking goal scorer. Yeah, he dude, this guy, yeah, I said it earlier, he might have or he does have the best wrist shot in the National Hockey League. I've never seen a hockey player get so in tight with another defenseman, that gap being so closed, and have the ability to toe-drag a hockey puck into his body and get the same amount of power or even more power on his wrist shot than 90% of the league. Like He needs no setup. He needs no setup. It's a second it comes off his stick, it's a rocket, no matter where he's shooting from. And Jeff O'Neill said, too, it seems like this guy scores every game. Guess what? He's got 15 goals in 14 games. He does score every hockey game. And it's a shame. Dude, it's a shame that he's gotten injured last year, this year, because you want to see this guy win a rocket. You're sick of seeing Patrick Lyon score 18 goals in November. You want to see Austin Matthews get in that conversation of a the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League. So you just wish that injury never happened because this guy is on a torrid pace putting the puck in the net. It is unbelievable to watch unbelievable the franchise and you're just sitting there being like unbelievable unbelievable player good player good bro but you're sitting there being like dude just please take a hometown discount just or or a team discount that drafted you just please just please like let's not if this thing uh just don't let this thing drag both his goals tonight were ridiculous oh. both of his yeah, goals tonight rid- were oh ridiculous. dude the overtime winner was just the most electric like, is there a better goal in the league than that? Like, just pulls it in. It just top corner, and it just looks unbelievable while you're watching it. Dude, it's just 
I'm so happy. Like you're watching this, be like, thank God this guy's back and playing because he's just that difference maker in a three on three overtime in a divisional hockey game. I enjoy watching the games so much more when he's playing. Like I love Marner. I love Johnny T. I love Casper Kapanen. I love Morgan Riley. I love Freddie, but Austin Matthews is the most talented hockey player to ever wear the Maple Leafs sweater. They've got to be the most lethal scoring team in the National Hockey League because we talked a lot on this show about how they, they don't get sustained offensive pressure very much. But you know what, right? They don't need it. Like, they're so talented. All they need is a good chance or two. And more often than not, it's going in the net because the scoring ability on this team is just off the charts. Yeah, it's off the charts, and it's but it makes for a frustrating game to watch sometimes. Like ultimately, we're really happy because at the end of the game, it's two points, it's a W. They climb in the standings, but shift by shift, you're into the game, you're so passionate about it, and sometimes you just they drive you a little crazy. They drive you a little nuts because they get stuck in their own end. They're soft. They give the puck away sometimes, but. Oh, they give the dude some of the giveaways. Like, like I know we love them. Newmarket represent, but Travis Dermott has had three brutal giveaways in the last two games against Minnesota and tonight against Buffalo. Just brutal. Naz Naz had the brutal giveaway yeah, tonight. That one was bad. That one was that was soft. Wasn't looking. Like, who were you even... Like, I know Lindholm was coming up down the middle, but, like, who are you passing to, dude? There's no one there. Regardless of that, though, Ryan, good win against a divisional opponent, a very good divisional opponent. And the media made a lot about this today, and I tend to try and stay away from most of the media-driven narratives. But you know what? I think they're onto something when they say the Toronto-Buffalo rivalry is, in fact, back. Well, I would challenge you and the media on that and say when was it really ever in the in the the 2000s it was there in the in the early 2000s it was there well let's have a quick little sidebar before we move on what do you think a rivalry is in the national hockey league these days because i keep hearing the word rivalry there's ottawa there's montreal there's boston and now there's buffalo like what is the rivalry because to me a rivalry has to be two hockey teams that are both successful and playing each other multiple times. And guess what? The Leafs haven't been very successful other than the last two years. So to me, if you really want to build a rivalry, you got to play each other in the playoffs. Yeah, rivalries are born in the playoffs. So I would say at this point in time... got to be the Bruins. Yeah, it's the Bruins. But I do think that the Sabres have potential to be a rival of the Leafs because of the proximity, because of the comparisons between Eichel and Matthews. And I think it's the insecurity of the Buffalo fan base too that also makes it a serious rivalry because half the building tonight and half the building all the time is filled with Leaf fans. Oh, the building was electric tonight. The let's go Buffalo, go Leafs, go was going all night. Which was also happening in Minnesota. Yeah. Well, the Leafs are the, the, nobody travels better than the Leafs in the NHL. No. Sorry, Habs fans. But tonight in Minnesota are two examples of the Toronto Maple Leafs not playing their best hockey and walking away with two points in each hockey game. So we can gripe about sustained pressure, uh, giving the puck away. But at the end of the day, when you take four points out of two games, you felt like you didn't deserve to win, then you got to be pretty happy and take it for what it is. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for downloading the show. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Talkin' Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talkin' Buds Pod. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and tune in, spread the word, tell your friends. We really appreciate all the support. Thanks. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. 
Ryan, it has officially come to an end. William Nylander has finally signed his contract. In all my years of being a Leaf fan this past Saturday, I've never gone through anything like that where you're just refreshing Twitter every 30 seconds to see what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. And all the recounts of what happened from Kyle Dubas and William Nylander said it literally came down to the last 30 to 45 minutes where Nylander actually called Dubas and said, let's make a deal. It was about 4.55 that it broke that he had signed. The Leafs got really creative with this deal. We're going to get right into it right now, break it all down. But basically the deal is $41.7 million total dollars for six years. This year he has a cap hit of $10.2 million for the remainder of this season, which they can afford given their current cap situation. And then he's at $6.9 million for years two to six. Ryan, this dollar figure has been so polarizing for many different reasons, for many different people for the last two, three days since it's been announced. So before we get into it and really break it down and talk about the different sides, give me your opinion, like recount for me how it was for you that night and what your initial thoughts are on the contract. Yeah, I'm with you with the Twitter refreshing from 4.30 to 5 o'clock, I was on Toronto Maple Leafs Twitter looking at latest tweets, constantly refreshing, just waiting for this to happen. And if you've been listening to this podcast week by week, you know I said he wasn't going to sign. And man, did they cut it close. Did they cut it close, man? Like, wow. I cannot believe... This is crazy because... Restricted free agency has always kind of followed the same path. Um, Players, other GMs don't offer sheet. Usually they get a deal done before this deadline. But this is the first player to go this far. And just unprecedented stuff, man. And you're right. Extremely polarizing number. Me and you, as you heard at the intro to the show, we have been discussing this for Pretty much every episode every of this episode. show. This is episode 10 of Talking Buds. This topic has been discussed each of the 10 episodes. And it's been, it's dude, it's been a roller coaster ride. Like, you and I have gone one week. I've been mostly on the he's not going to sign negative train. And you have been kind of in the middle. You've been, one week you've been upset because he didn't sign. And then another week you were... You were optimistic. But at the end of the day, you were correct. He did sign because it, you're right. It made no sense for him to sit out this entire season. And for the Leafs, for a team that's 20-8, and eight, who we watched tonight win a big hockey game, they still got a, not a superstar, a pretty a decent elite hockey player. I don't know if that makes any sense, but a very good hockey player coming into their lineup with a team that's fighting for first place overall in the national hockey league. So let's talk about the, the cap hit. Like let's ignore this year's 10.2. That's a nice thing they did to make them whole. It's well, no, the the 10.2 is like a league CBA thing. We're we're not, we're not really worried about that number. And they have the cap room this year to, to, to have that as his cap hit this year. So it's not really a big deal. So yes, 6.9, is a bit high. However, it's been widely reported that Nylander's camp started asking for eight. So getting him down under seven, I think is a win for the organization. You've talked about it many times. The Leafs are sort of wading into new territory in the NHL where they have to pay these guys before they've ever done anything or won anything. And it's it's not their fault. It's just the way the league is going. And with inflation, it just is what it is. And yes, Kyle Dubas has his work cut out for him over the next year. But $6.9 million, so under 7 barely under 7 I think is a win for the organization. Even though we both agree it is a little high for where we think Nylander is at as a player. Well, the good part about this number is for what he's done so far, you and I both believe it's a little rich. But this guy's still 22 years old, man. He could go out for the rest of this year, next year, the year after that, and play out of his mind. And we'll look at each other and we'll talk to each other and say, 
man, what they actually locked this guy in, in a pretty good number for what he's giving the hockey team. So, and the whole front-loaded part of the contract makes it movable later. So that that that's kind of a win for them as well. But it, it's interesting how this will affect the, the Marner negotiation too, you know? Like, everyone t- keeps talking about the comparables. Like, Johnny Goodrow, David Pasternak, kind of that $6.5 million range for hockey players that get more points than William Nylander. But you look at other... What people haven't mentioned is when... What I was thinking about today was you look at other hockey teams around the league. What about the Dallas Stars paying Jason Spezza $7 million a year? How 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 does that look? How does uh, the Edmonton Oilers paying Milan Lucic $6 million a year? He's two goals or something. Like, that's horrible. We, we always come up with the best comparables we can. But if you look at the Leafs, how a Nylander affects a Leafs cap and what he produces against... A lot of other hockey teams who have bad contracts that we don't bring up. Louis Erickson in Vancouver, $6 million. Guy's useless. Absolutely useless. So, to me, he's kind of not in the middle. I think, at the end of the day, this is a fair deal. And people can be upset about the cap hit because of the implications coming up with the other two guys. But at the end of the day, I feel like there's no clear winner. There's no clear loser. There's upsides for Nylander, and there's upsides for the Leafs. So I think overall, Nylander moved his number more than the Leafs moved their number. So so that, that are, that's a bit of a win for them. One of the things I think this deal is exposed is the old school versus new school mentality. I'm sure most of our listeners saw Brian Burke on Saturday night flat out go off about this deal and say that they caved. Marner and Matthews representatives are licking their chops. They gave the player what he wanted. And then Elliot Friedman chimed back with the more new school mentality of the the Leafs are a cup contender right now and they need to do everything they can to win a cup right now this year. And then Burke fired back and said that he doesn't think they're a contender. I've heard other people this week say that if if they had their choice, they would have ended up letting him sit. And now that the deal is done and he's with us, I had my moments where I was upset that he wasn't signing and went at him and went at his dad. But at the end of the day, I'm on the side of Friedman where they are a cup contender this year. And they do, adding him to their lineup just only increases their chances. And while I do think it is a little high for where he's at as a player, they are, they need to do everything they can to win this year. So I, I, I disagree with this sort of old school mentality of, oh, let him sit and get him down at your number. Listen, if it was up over seven, close to eight, 100%, let him do that. But that it, it's just the way the league has gone. Inflation, salaries are rising. The salary cap is rising. This is a win for the Leafs, so I disagree with this sort of old-school take that the Brian Burks of the world are spouting off about when it comes to this contract. I, there's so I, I have like so many things I have I feel about this, and it's hard because I just want to say it all at once, but I kind of got to think one thought at a time. But to me, a bad contract is an immovable contract, which we saw with David Clarkson, which ultimately wasn't unmovable because Toronto Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment has enough money to do silly things like they did in order to get rid of that contract. So to me, it's a movable contract. So that's that's a win in a sense that if you want to get rid of this guy in two years because you're squeezed, you can. You can do that. Well, I think I think I think that's a little bit of Willie hearing what he wants to hear. Dubis was on with Overdrive and with Bob yesterday, and he said on both shows that he had said to William that we're not going to sign you and then trade you, and that as long as I'm here, I envision you being on this team. He never explicitly said, as long as I'm the GM, you're not going to get traded. So I think Willie needs to check his facts when he's throwing that quote out there. Well, Dubas couldn't have been, like, super stoked about that comment. No. God, it, no. It, it sounded like he was walking it back a little bit, Dubas. Like, 
He was like, you know what? As long as I'm the general manager, I would love to see Willie in a Leaf uniform the whole time I'm here. And we won't train him this season. But I don't think he said, we're not trading you for the whole entirety of the contract. No. Like that. I, I, I honestly don't believe Kyle Dubas is that stupid. And I don't think a guy like Brendan Shanahan, as much as Brendan Shanahan is kind of letting Dubas do his thing, I feel like he wouldn't really be down for something like that either. No. So that's that's pretty hard to believe that he would he would promise him something like that. That's that that would be pretty unbelievable if it is true though. We don't know if it's true or not, but if it is true, that'd be pretty unbelievable. Like I said, I think I think it was a case of Willie hearing what he wanted to hear there. And I agree. I think what you just said is probably what Dubis told him. And because Willie was apparently one of the things that the Nylander camp was adamant about from the beginning was term. So he clearly does not want to get traded. So no, he loves being a Maple Leaf. That was, yeah, that was clear from his agent. I heard his agent speak Lewis gross. And he said that William Nylander has zero interest in playing anywhere else in the national hockey league. He absolutely loves being a Toronto Maple Leaf. All right. So, we went off on a bit of a tangent there. So well, tell me, what do you think about Burke's comments on Saturday night? I think Berkey, you know, we you know where Berkey lost us is when he made it so adamant and he mentioned it two or three times that he puts Gardner ahead of Nylander. And if you want to have Leaf fans tune out your point quick, say Jake Gardner's a better player than William Nylander. Like that, that was kind of a, he yeah. kind of ruined his whole argument saying that. But it, I, I think Berkey is just, you know what? I respect the old school mentality. I respect it. I'm not going to sit here and and just rip down the old guys because they're dinosaurs or whatever, but it's not an immovable contract. This guy steps into your lineup, makes you better right away, so you need to get the deal done. What's the point of having him sit out the entire year? Like, it's just, it's silly for him. It's silly for the team. I know... Berkey might have his opinions on where he ranks importance of players on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but what? there's no sense in letting this guy sit around. So if you can get him at a number you're comfortable at, then just, just go ahead and do it, man. Like, they are a cup contender this year. You look at tonight. Like, they, they beat a very good hockey team tonight. And guess what? They did not have William Nylander tonight. And they're 20-8. and eight. And guess what? They haven't had William Nylander in the lineup. So that just only makes them more dangerous and better. So how could you not be a little bit, little bit excited no matter how bitter you are about how long it took for him to get the deal done? First of all, I, with, I agree with two things there. One, with all due respect to Brian Burke, I think Brian Burke has been really good and really entertaining as a TV analyst this year. He's been actually pretty funny, and I've enjoyed his, like, aggressive, no-nonsense takes on certain things. But for you to sit there and say that Jake Gardner is ahead of William Nylander on the Leafs depth chart... You lose everyone. That is one of the most insane things I've ever heard anybody say. Like, there's no... Yeah, you you lose everyone's ears when you say something like that. And he didn't just, like, he didn't just, like, ah, mention it. Like, he said it, like, three times. Like, trying to make it known that he honestly believes that Jay Garter is ahead of William Nylander in terms of importance on a hockey team. That's insane. And another thing is, I agree with you. I think another thing that's been debated over the the last two days since that happened with him and Friedman is people saying, well, are they a contender? And can I be honest? I don't like the argument of, oh, well, they've never run a playoff round before. It's like, look at Washington. Washington was a joke in the postseason forever. Couldn't beat Pittsburgh. Couldn't get past the second round. Couldn't do anything. And then last year, they just had the team. They put it together. They went on a run. They won the cup. Look at the freaking Vegas Golden Knights. In their first year as a team, they went all the way to the cup final. So, while I do think experience counts for something, I don't buy the whole, oh, they've never won a round before, so they're not a contender. That's more old school mentality. It's like today's NHL is all a bunch of kids who don't have as much experience as some of these older guys, and you just need the team to put it together and have everything click and go on a run. And if I think anything's going to hold the Leafs back, it's not going to be their lack of experience. It's going to be their lack of talent on the blue line. So 
that's that. So I don't buy the whole the Leafs aren't a contender argument. So I, I agree with you there. They're definitely a cup contender, and getting Nylander at that price on this deal is what they needed to do if they want to win a cup in the next few years. I don't see the Matthews and Marner negotiations being as like strenuous as this one was simply because I don't think the Leafs are going to play hardball as much with those two as they did with Nylander. I think it was important for them to get Nylander under $7 million. They did that. So now like Matthews is rights itself. He's going to be 12. He's going to get the same contract as Connor McDavid. Like that's that that's happening. And Marner's next contract is probably going to start with a one. These guys are smart enough. Do we hold to- our horses on that double digits with Marner though? Like, should we hold our horses a little bit on that? Yeah, we, okay, yeah, we should. It's better for them if it doesn't, and we'll see how the rest of the year plays out. But Matthews is getting the Connor McDavid contract. That we don't need to hold our horses yeah, on. Yeah, Austin Matthews, I'm not I'm not really talking about Matthews. I'm talking about Mitch Marner. Like, all of us who are in this $10 million, $11 million conversation, should we be slowing it down a little bit? Yeah, let, let, let's see how the rest of the year plays out. Yes. Like, I, I, I agree. Like, yeah, that money, he he's probably worth it. And when it comes to just talking about overall worth and what he does for the hockey team, yeah, you can make an argument. But you look at a guy in Tampa Bay right now named Nikita Kucherov, who to me is just, not maybe not forever, but for right now is 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 one level ahead of Marner for me. And this guy makes like under ten million. And so if I'm Kyle Dubis, if Mitch Marner walks out of my office and goes, "Can you give me eleven million dollars?" I'd I'd take uh I'd take a couple other. I'm sure you could find a couple other comparables as well. But I would just write down and be like, "Hey, what, look at Nikita Kucherov here. He led the league in points. Look what he's making." Before we move on from this Nylander thing, let's talk a little less about dollars and let's talk about the lineup for a little bit. So there's going to be some lineup implications to this. There already has been. They dealt Levo to Vancouver to create a roster spot. Dubas came out and said that he'd promised Levo's representatives that if it was another situation where he was going to be in the press box, they were going to move on from him. First of all, I like Josh Levo just fine. I did not realize the amount of people who adored Josh Levo. Like there yeah, were some dude, people he's who a were a fan favorite. Yeah, yeah. Like there were some people who were upset by that trade. And listen, he's a he's a nice player. And yes, I get that he's from here, but like, I like I I don't really understand all the emotional attachment to Josh Levo. Me either. So where do you see this shaking out? Obviously, your first line stays intact with Tavares, Hyman, and Marner. The second line is where Nylander's probably slotted in beside Matthews. Who do you have on the other side? Do you have Janssen? Do you have Marlowe? I think every single Leaf fan on planet Earth wants to see Kasperi Kapanen move over to the other side and have a best friend wing combo with Kapanen and Nylander with Matthews in the middle. I think, honestly, I believe that 90% of Leaf fans would want to see that line. I think the majority is heavily in the favor of Wouldn't seeing Kapanen that Wouldn't be on his wrong side, though? Yeah, but, like, dude, who cares? That's so overrated, man. It's so overrated. A winger can move over to his other side and play, dude. Like, it's not the end of the world. Like, I hate... I Babcock is so big on this, and I just think it's... Okay, if you put him over there, it doesn't work, fine. Move him around. But, dude, give it a shot. Like, I... A talented, skilled hockey player, I'm sure he can move over to his other side and be just as effective as he is on his strong side. Like, just give it a chance, man. Which he probably won't do. So let's, let's okay, fine. Let's do Babcock's projected lines for, they're saying Nylander will be back Saturday night in Boston. We're already going back to Boston. So you got, let, let's do it again. Tavares, Hyman, Marner. Matthews, Nylander, and Marlowe. Marlowe? He'll put Mar he'll start Marlowe on that line, and we've talked about it at length. Good pro, good veteran, good family man. Patrick Marlowe's getting the first go around on that line. I, I think that's where he's headed. And then you've got Kadri with Kapanen and Janssen. Or Brown. And then you've got See, I'd move Connor Brown to the fourth yeah, line. But he dude, hasn't been very talked good. about it. Connor, he's Connor Brown. He, he's wearing a Hyman jersey, and then he's wearing a Connor Brown jersey yeah. underneath the Hyman jersey. 
Yeah, yeah, he loves it. Those are Babcock's two sons. Yeah, like it's 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 bad. Okay, re- regardless. So so you're saying Janssen gets demoted to the fourth line potentially. Which with, we don't want to see. We don't want to see that because the guy's yeah. been playing well. But yeah. can't you just see it? With Ennis and Lindholm, which means they're currently preparing a nice, warm, cushiony, first-class seat in the press box for Freddy the Goat. To the bye-bye, Freddy the Goat. Freddy the Goat is going up there, baby. They're going to get a seat up there for him, and that's going to be his seat. Yeah, he better go out and get some more suits. Yeah, he's going to be sitting in it a lot this year. Yeah, he better go out. Him and, him and Justin Hall, maybe should they go shopping together and get each other some new suits? Yeah, because they're, they're going to have to show them. their collection because they're going to be yeah. in the press box so much. They sure are. They yeah. sure are. So, I'm waiting for the fan base to get behind one of them, though. We saw it with Levo who, and Frankie Corrado. Who... Who are we going to get behind this time to get out it's of the be press Hull. box? It's going to be Hull. Yeah, it's true. This city loves to just get behind a, a press box player. Like Even they though just... they haven't really gotten behind Hall so far, but you They're can see have to it, pick though. One. It's not going to be Freddy the Goat. No. Bah. No. So, you know what, Ryan? I've actually been pleased with Babcock's line combinations lately, so that's why I'm kind of hoping that Connor Brown finds his way onto the fourth line because he, he's been pretty mediocre all year but you're right i could see johnson i guess he'd think he thinks that if you put johnson down there he and ennis could bring some speed to that fourth line but i don't know i think you're right johnson's played well these last few weeks he deserves to be on the third line or even potentially up with matthews and nylander yeah i don't th- i don't see johnson i feel i feel like he i feel like babcock would put cabinet on his offside before he even tries johnson on that on that line well we will get our answers Saturday night in Boston. You don't think he? Yeah, he's probably not going to play Thursday, right, Nylander? Well, they were saying they were saying tonight that it's probably going to be Saturday. He hasn't even practiced with the team yet. Yeah, well, that's a little upsetting. I would like to see him in on Thursday, but you're right. This guy, if he if imagine he was in the lineup tonight, the game would be moving like seven thousand miles an hour for the guy. His first game back will be where he played his last game last year. Him and his little buddy, David Pasternak, can go out for dinner together. Ryan, it's I've been looking forward to it since last week. Hit the music for Bums and Beauties. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. That's right, it is the episode 10 edition of Bums and Beauties. Ryan, I would like to go first. I'm going to start positive because we've just been on a positive roll on the show lately. Big win tonight. My beauty of the week is Kyle Dubis for getting the deal done with Willie Nylander under seven schmill. Really, really excellent job. Tradable contract. I don't care what Willie says. Kyle Dubis, we just talked about him a lot in the last segment, so I won't go into it again, but he is my beauty of the week. Beautiful choice. My beauty of the week is going to be a two-pack. First time in the show's history, we're going for a two-pack on the beauty selections. One is Austin Matthews because he's the franchise. He's unbelievable. He's got the best wrist shot in the National Hockey League. We already got into him earlier, so I'll just leave it at that. And you know what? I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? We haven't done Matthews yet, surprisingly. But yeah, I know. We since we talked about him earlier, I just want to give Matthews a mention as a beauty. But I'm gonna go with Zach Hyman as my other beauty of the week because I another think, good choice. Yeah, I, I think I, at the beginning of the year I said that he would be a better fit on the Marner line because Marner is more of a puck controlling type of guy. Like Austin Matthews is a guy who wants the shot, who needs the shot, who needs the pass. And Hyman's just not a guy like, yeah, he's going to go in and dig the puck for you, but he's not going to find him in the slot with that unbelievable pass. But if he can just make a play out of his own zone and feed it to Marner through the neutral zone or get in the offensive zone on a four check, win the battle and get it to Marner, then he's a lot more effective than 
being on Matthews' line. So I think Zach Hyman played a hell of a hockey game tonight. I think played a hell of a game on Saturday against Minnesota too. I think he's just been super good, and we have been hard on him because he played with Matthews. Oh, the whole. Yeah, the whole fan base. I I wanted to say that when you were done. The whole fan base has been really hard on this guy because Babcock just glued him to Austin Matthews for the last two seasons. And you know what? Here's a guy who brings an edge to his game. And to to reference Berkey again, who said that when he was in the Leafs system, he said this a couple weeks ago on primetime, that when he was in the Leafs system, they didn't like him at first. And he turned himself into an NHL player because he was trying to be a skilled guy and realized that wasn't going to get him to the show and turned into this sort of hardworking, like, grinder-type player. We all know who Mike Babcock's favorite player on the Toronto Maple Leafs is. It's number 11. Yeah, dude, you know what? I've been... I, I don't think I've been super hard on him, but you... you the fan base yeah, has. You, the fan like, base has. Call, I've called him out on the past and his ability to put the puck in the net and make a skilled play, but, dude, if... Just picture you being a hockey coach for like a rep team, an OHL team, and this guy just shows up to your tryout and you watch him skate his ass off all over the ice. Like, dude, he's just that great hockey player to have on your team. He works harder maybe than any other hockey player I've seen on the four check. He's got legs. He's got a bit of an edge. So Zach Hyman, for everyone who's been hard on you, you're my beauty of the week. Two excellent choices. All right, time to get negative. Bums of the week. You go first. My bum of the week is the Toronto Maple Leaf fans on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> if you go on Twitter and type in Toronto Maple Leafs and type in latest or top and you look at the tweets, why do we have to swear at each other? Why do we have to call each other effing idiots or or all these other names. Like, we're all fans of the same hockey team. It's the society we live in, man. People just Dude, get regardless so of what of William, Regardless of what William Nylander signed for, like, do you have to call a guy an effing idiot because he thinks it's a good deal? Like, settle down, everyone. It's ridiculous. You know what, Ryan? Let's flip your, your negative into a positive and give a shout-out to all of our followers on Instagram who comment on our pictures and always keep it professional. Nobody talk smack to anybody else everybody's positive and upbeat and fans on the team so our mutual beauty of the week are all our instagram followers yeah you notice i said twitter and not instagram because you're right everyone who comments on our photos all super professional all give a good take we respect everyone who comments there's no expletives there's just good takes. You can disagree. You can agree. But when you disagree with someone, you don't have to call someone an effing idiot. It's a hockey team. I get we're all passionate about it. But come on. Like, get a grip. Like, what do you... Like, come, uh, it just drives me crazy, dude. Like, this social media world. Yeah, social media promotes everything. This podcast, people's professional careers, but the dark side of social media, the people just calling each other names. I'm sick of it, especially over a sports team that we all care about and we should all unite and cheer for together. But instead we're calling this guy an idiot, calling this guy an a-hole. So let's settle down here. So that's why that is my bum of the week. My mind seems so inconsequential now because you just went off on like a- Well, it just just drives me crazy. Oh, I agree. I agree. Refreshing that tweet for the William Nylander thing, just looking at people's comments after the signing, like settle down. Like, yeah, what? What's it to you? What, What's it to you? Why are you it's get, not your money? These people hit a level emotionally on social media that doesn't even exist in me. Like, how do you hit that level where you message another guy and you are degrading him personally and calling him names? over a hockey team that you have nothing to do with. You just sit and watch and cheer for. Like, don't be an idiot. Just give your opinion. Be respectful. Don't be an asshole. All right, my bum of the week is totally underwhelming after that epic rant by you. But Well, you said go first, yeah, so I, did. I, I did. went first, so buddy. My, yeah, mine's totally underwhelming, but I'm going to say it anyway. My bum of the week is the collective play of the Maple Leaf Defense Corps. They haven't been great. Like, soft plays, giveaways, letting guys 
have a free for all at Freddie Anderson after he freezes the puck. Like they they went on a run. They've been on, they've had some stretches this week where I thought they've been pretty good and they've improved the system in their own zone. But the last they talked about it tonight on the broadcast how the shots on goal are are starting to go up again. Forty one again tonight. Like I I talked about the Riley play earlier. Dermot with the giveaways. Gardner has at least one boneheaded play a game. Hainsy's Hainsy. Like, it's just, like, we need to step it up. Because if this defense core is going to play like this in the postseason, this team is not is not getting a sniff at the Stanley Cup final. That's nah, fair, dude. And, dude, same old story, man. Like, same old story. Like, you, you may be winning a lot of games right now, but like we said earlier, April comes around, you play a bigger team, you get pushed around, and all of a sudden you're golfing. All right, before we move in and do a fresh, totally unqualified take, we're going to have some fun with the Tut this week. But before we move into that, let's just take a look at the week ahead. We've got a division-heavy week ahead, Ryan. Thursday, we've got the lowly Detroit Red Wings. Saturday, as mentioned earlier, the return of Willie Nylander, the speculated return of Willie Nylander against the Boston Bruins. We'll be coming at you again with episode 11 the Zach Hyman episode next Tuesday night after they play the Carolina Hurricanes in Carolina. Ugh. And then, <laughs> Yikes. And then, can't win in that building, buddy. Then, you want to talk about a will, building the Leafs can't win in? And then, Why don't you stroll into Carolina in front of three fans? <laughs> and then, Ryan, a week Thursday, the first showdown of the season. Leafs lightning in tampa yes that is the game my friend and i'm happy to be playing some divisional hockey games because two points in against divisional opponents i think means just a, a little bit more than two points against other hockey teams i know on paper that probably doesn't make any sense but you kind of know what i'm saying when i'm saying that so let's get the two best teams in the atlantic head to head two scoring juggernauts two teams with good goaltending and have been super successful this season. So let's get it underway. Boston's a big game, but we've seen kind of the back and forth between them. They're a little banged up. So let's get the measuring stick out against the Lightning. Let's go. It's time for the first time in a few weeks, Ryan. It's time for us to give some brand new, totally unqualified takes. It's time for Talking Buds. Totally unqualified takes. All right, right. We're going to have some fun with this this week. I, we, You know what? We talk about the Leafs. We analyze them head to toe. So it, this is the part of the show where I like to have a little fun. I'm going to go off the board and get away from the Leafs here a little bit. I'm going to have some fun with you, okay? As many of you are probably aware, the city of Seattle was awarded the 32nd NHL franchise today. Some of the names that have been suggested for this team are interesting so ryan i'm gonna run through the list of suggested names and i want you to give me your instant reactions and then my totally unqualified take will be what name i think is going to win all right let's have some fun with this so i'm gonna say the name and you're just gonna one word reaction to it the seattle rainers that is garbage the Seattle Kraken. No, that, what is this? Uh, uh, an alcoholic beverage? The Seattle Evergreens. No, that, where are you getting these names from? Did you just Google bad nope. Nope. team names? No, nope. I'm on sportsnet.ca's article, everything you need to know about the Seattle expansion team, and these are the 13 names they have listed. Here, Here's a good one. The Seattle Seals. Well, they've already had the, the... Didn't they already have a SEAL hockey team back in the day? The California Golden Seals. Yeah, so I feel like that one... Eh, that'd be a shame to take. You know, you, you could rename hockey. Like, there's been a couple NFL teams that have switched 
names with cities. So maybe, maybe, maybe that one work. Here's one that I don't mind. The Seattle Emeralds. That's not bad. It's okay. It's, it's a, yeah, I want to see the logo, but it's okay. The Seattle Sea Lions. No, that sea, what's a sea, oh, I know what a sea lion is, but like, come on, sea lions. The Seattle Sockeyes. Yes, yes, that's the one I'm with, the Seattle Sockeye Salmons. Let's go. Here's one that I just don't see happening because of the Vancouver Canucks and their logo, the Seattle Whales. That just sounds dumb. Yeah, that does sound dumb. Sounds really dumb. The Seattle Eagles. Oh, there's, you know what? The Eagles, that's just a classic like sport. Like Any random sports team would have the word Eagles on their list of team names. So I can't hate on that too much. The Seattle Totems. Yeah, that I know they showed the little mock tr- uh, jersey on the broadcast tonight. I think they look brutal, dude. Brutal the- unis, man. The Seattle Cougars. No, no. That's a no-go for me. The Seattle Firebirds. See, I was thinking a Firebird or a Thunderbird. Those were the two I was kind of thinking of. Can't you just see the Seattle Thunderbirds for some reason? Yeah. yeah. That just like, sounds like, 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 a, like a bird. Generic hockey team that... Yeah. Like, like a, they already got a Seahawk. Yeah. So might as well throw another bird in there it can hang out with. I feel like the team's color scheme will be, like, the green will be in there, like the Seahawk-ass. And the old Supersonics NBA team had the green unis as well. Yeah, the I, last- like when, I like when the teams stay, I like when all the sports teams kind of stay uniform with the colors. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, I love that. Pittsburgh does. Pittsburgh's the only one off the top of my head that I can think about that does that, that has the black and gold color scheme for all their teams. Yeah, like the Raptors kind of stray from it, but that's okay. The Raptors have beauty uniforms anyways, but... And the last one, the Seattle Renegades. Yeah, I guess another. I could see them naming that. So my totally unqualified take is while I would like the name to be the Seattle Emeralds, I think that's great, and you could go with the green color scheme. I'm guessing the Totems wins out, and the 32nd... NHL franchise will be named the Seattle Totems. Wow, that that just sounds weird, dude. It does sound weird. It does sound Seattle weird. Totems. Yeah, it does sound. Weird. You're, you're pulling for the Sockeyes, the Sockeye Salmons. Yeah, I'm so down for that. Man, right. that was a that was a good one, dude. I can't even. I don't know if I can even live up to that. Well, give me here. Like, Let's make your totally unqualified take. What you think the name should be. Okay, well, I'll, I'll I'll make it kind of a two a two pack again because I'm I'm all about the two packs today, two for one. I'm looking for the deals. Uh, I'll I'll just go with Sockeyes because that's just a weird, epic, dumb name for a team that just works because to weird, me, in my mind, epic, it just dumb. sounds so dumb <laughs> that it just sounds good. Like, well, like, let's be honest. When when they announced Vegas Golden Knights, we all went what. Yeah, it was, it was just lame. It was yeah. just like the Golden Knights. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's worked out okay. Yep. It's worked out okay. But my other totally unqualified take is what team moves from the Atlantic to the to the other to the Central? Didn't they already announce that today? Did they? Did I miss that whole thing? I think is they it, announced they announced It's got to be the it's got to be the Coyotes or the or the Golden Knights, I would think. It's the Coyotes. Yeah, see yeah. that makes sense. Okay, well that that unqualified. Yeah, yeah okay. So here, ruined, but here I'll read you okay. the new di- the okay. new central division is Arizona, Chicago, Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, Nashville, St. Louis, Winnipeg. Oh yeah, that makes sense. That 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 makes sense. I knew it would be Vegas or Arizona. I I completely missed that today, but so so I guess I was kind of right in some way. But in the first one, I'll go with the Sockeyes, and uh, that's my unqualified take this week. All right, that'll just about do it for. Episode 10, we will be back next week after the Carolina game. And Ryan, we will be able to analyze the play of one William Nylander next week. That will be new. Something new on the pod. Something to be excited about. Thank you for downloading, everybody. We'll catch you next week.
Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.